Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know, it is my goal to bring you exciting thought leaders and influencers and people who are gonna really help you take your career to the next level. And I've got another great one for you today. So today on the show, I'd like to welcome back Brian Ahern, Chief Influence Officer at Influence People. He is one of only 20 individuals in the world who currently holds the Cialdini Method Certified Trainer designation, a specialization in the psychology of persuasion. Wow. Brian just recently published a new book called The Influencer, Secrets to Success and Happiness. This book discusses the seven secrets that will propel you from ordinary to extraordinary when it comes to your ability to influence people. Brian's passion is to help you achieve greater professional success and enjoy more personal happiness by learning how to ethically move others to action using the science of influence. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me back on the show. It's great to see you again. I know, I know. You're a do-over. <laughs> yep. I, I, I like coming back on because I've been people as I've done podcasts, so... <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll be in your neck of the woods and we'll actually get together. That would be amazing. I would truly enjoy that. And so normally I would ask my guests at this time, how did we get connected? But I've already asked you that question. So I'm not going to ask you again. But I do want to ask you to share your thoughts with us on once you connect with someone. Because, you know, networking is huge. I read a statistic the other day that said 85% of jobs are found through networking. And I believe that's probably true. So we met. But what's the power of staying connected? The power of staying connected is you never know who you're going to meet, where it's going to ultimately lead. and tell you lots of stories about meeting somebody and then meeting several people because I met that individual and then all of a sudden an opportunity blossomed for me or for somebody else. And so I approach networking is I don't reach out to you, Casey, because I want something from you. We're like-minded. We enjoy each other and you just see where things are gonna go. But if you make enough connections, ultimately you're gonna reap rewards from it. Absolutely, and I think, and I think tr also, just I just wanna point this out because when we met last time and I saw this, I was like, that is so cool. I love that you kind of take networking to the next personal level. And if you look behind you, you can see that you've got our logo up there. You can see it says, hello, Casey. And that's exactly the way you welcomed me when we chatted, I don't know, a month or two ago about you coming back on the show. And I was just like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, when you uh, new calls with potential clients, I've always got their logo. I've got their name up exactly what you did. They say that is really neat. And it's just an opportunity to move right into, well, this is what I do, and this is my pivot during the pandemic. And I will tell you, Casey, most of the training that I've done with people has been on on the uh, video studio. And I think that's gonna continue even beyond the pandemic because there's so many advantages to doing it that way. So 
this pivot during the pandemic is going to serve me as long as I want to do this. I think that is so true. And I will tell you, even like with the interviews, like before, I, we never could have imagined hiring without actually meeting somebody, right? And even as the people are going back into the office, as they're doing, you know, hybrid schedules, they're continuing to interview by video remotely. And I'm like, this is so interesting. I did not anticipate this. I remember when some companies were doing it before the pandemic, and it seemed novel and interesting and a little bit weird. And now it's just a given that that's how you're going to do it because candidates are applying for positions from anywhere in the world mm -hmm. and they can't just come in for a physical interview. There's so many that won't require you to be in the same office space as the individual that you may report to. Absolutely. And I, you know, I have one company in particular that I think just nailed it when it came to making that pivot and onboarding and getting the equipment to the person, but also making them feel included on the first day when they're not actually going to meet their teammates in person. And I mean, they had huge success hiring. I think we ended up placing like 24 people with them throughout the pandemic. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. I, I really think that, you know, you need to understand what the technology is and how to embrace it. It's not going away. You know, there there have always been changes. The telephone changed things, fax machines changed things, email, text, and the people who figured out how to embrace it and use it the right way thrive. Well, I'm trying, but I feel like I'm that person now that like when I was a kid and I'm like, come on, mom, why can't you do this? And now I feel like I'm that person. My son's going, come on, mom, why can't you do this? You know, constantly my favorite word in the office is I need a millennial, you know, when it comes to technology. Yeah, I, I hear you. But, um, you know, all we have to do is figure out how we use it. We don't have to understand every part of it. So it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. So, okay. Tell me a little bit more about how you got started briefly. I know we talked about it on another show, but that's been a long time ago. Um, um, so tell me a little bit about how you got started and then tell me a little bit about the book. Okay. Well, that started with the training when I was working for an insurance company. And it was probably over 20 years ago now when I bumped into the work of Robert Cialdini because I was involved in sales training and it was so clear to me that his work on influence and persuasion was the underpinning of all I really got deeply involved with it and through a series of circumstances, uh, came in contact with Dr. Cialdini and ultimately got certified by him to teach his methodology. And about three and a half years ago, I left the insurance world because I knew that I always wanted to do this full time. And now I speak, train, coach, consult, everything around the science of ethical influence. And that's the name of your first book, correct? Influence People was the first book. The second book was called Persuasive Selling for Relationship-Driven Insurance Agents. Now the new one is The Influencer Secrets to Success and Happiness. So what inspired you to write this book, this third one? Two things. Time. We all have more time <laughs> on our hands during the pandemic. And the other was I wanted to see if I could reach a new set of readers. My first book was heavy on the business psychology aspect. There's a lot of people who won't pick up a book like that. The second book is very directed towards selling and in, in specifically to insurance agents. So there's a lot of people who may not pick that up. But that still leaves a wide universe of people who want to and need to understand how to ethically influence others. So thinking about how popular 
business parables are, I thought, can I write a story that would be the way to teach these principles? So I sat down and started writing and ultimately within about a year came up with the book. And I will tell you, Casey, it's so much fun to write because I never really knew where the story was going. I did not have an outline. I didn't say starting point A and it's going to finish. It just organically would sometimes sit at Starbucks. And I remember one time thinking, this guy doesn't have a lot of adversity in his life. And so I, on the spot, I just made up some adversity that he had to face. And it was fun to just go along like that. But the other thing I will tell you is every character in the book is based on somebody that I actually learned things from. So I did have role models in my mind as I was coming up with the different characters. It was just, how do I weave them in and how do I bring forth the teaching? That is really beautiful. And I, I love that you wrote it more as a fable because I love to read those too, like a business parable or fable. Um, but I just, I, I want to tell you, I'm in awe and a little bit jealous that you did that without an outline and you just know point A to point B because I've been trying to write a book for a very long time and it's not easy. It's not easy at all. No, it's, it's not. But I had a lot of writing practice back when I was with the insurance company. Uh, I was writing like a, a monthly online magazine and I was doing all kinds of writings. And so I was learning through editors and, and other people. And then this being the third book, it was a lot easier to get into that mode, to structure the time that I needed. It was just a, a different way of doing it. But I knew I was onto something because I have an app that I had downloaded where you can pull in like Google Docs and Word Docs and listen to them. And so we were driving, my wife and I were driving to Pittsburgh one weekend and I said, hey, I'm writing a new book. Would you mind listening to what I have so far? So we listened to it and then I overheard her tell one of her relatives, yeah, Brian's writing a book and it's like a story and it's actually really good. So her <laughs> surprise that I do that was my stamp of approval. That is awesome. Okay. So you mentioned there's several different characters in this, and I'm assuming they all have different personalities. And so you discuss ways to identify and deal with different personality types, you know, and this can be especially relevant when working with a colleague or a client that you may not get along with. I know we've all been there, right? Um, what is the first piece of advice that you would give someone who faces this challenge? I think the first piece of advice is you can't approach everybody in a way that's just comfortable you because if you do there are going to be some people that that's not how they communicate that's not how best to try to persuade them so when i talk about understanding personalities i'm not talking like myers-briggs and who are you and and finding out about yourself i think that's very important but i think in saying that, that's usually my audience it is much more important to understand the person that you're trying to sell to so i have a model that i call deal because salespeople hope to close deals and we deal with people every day. And it's driver, expressive, amiable, logical. And then the book talks about the different personalities. It's actually in, through the story format, uh, the lead character, John, is talking to his wife, Abigail, and she's saying that she's having difficulty at work and she is a nurse. And he starts talking about, well, here's how I approach people. And he teaches her as they're working on their, their home he just teaches her some of the basics and that's how people learn through the book. Excellent. Excellent. So, okay. And so you're talking about this couple, um, you know, and he's talking to his wife. Um, can you, 
explain the three keys to building a better relationship? Sure. The, I think the most important thing that you can do in almost any situation is try to at least establish rapport or longer term, it becomes relationship. And there's three principles of persuasion that we look at to try to do that. The first is called liking, and everybody gets this. People prefer to say yes to those they know and like. Mm -hmm. The problem that people have is they try to get people to like them, right? It would be like me taking everything I could to get you to like me. And sometimes that comes off like a desperate used car salesperson. The key really is for me to do everything I can to come to like you, find out about what we have in common, things I can compliment, because that whole time I like people that I see as similar to myself. I like people that I good things in. And so as I do that, I begin to convince myself what a good person you are. And if you're like most people, you begin to sense that with, with all of your senses. You see it, you hear it. And we like to be around people that we know genuinely like us. So that's the, the number one key to, I think, building a relationship. But once you've done that, it begins to inform another principle that we call reciprocity. And reciprocity just describes the natural thing that we have to give back to people who first give to us. So the more I get to know you, the more I understand how to give and help in ways that are most beneficial for you. So I don't go out and buy you, a, for example, a Starbucks gift card if I know you don't drink coffee. You appreciate the sentiment, but you wonder, he clearly knows I don't drink coffee. Why would he get me that? But when I'm really getting to know you because we're connecting on things we have in common, it informs that principle. So that when I do give, you sense the authenticity of it and it means significantly more. The third principle that we talk about is called unity. And unity is the deep connection that we have, a shared identity with certain people. And when you learn that you have that shared identity, you wanna make sure that you raise it to the surface and you talk about it. So as an example, my father served in the Marines. Anytime my dad met a Marine, instant bond, because they experience something that very few other people can understand. So when you discover that about that individual, then you wanna make sure that you talk about it because that trumps everything else. My dad would have done anything for another Marine, even if he felt a little bit like he didn't like him, <laughs> that bond, that brotherhood. So those are the three principles that we talk about to establish rapport and ultimately build a relationship. You know, it's interesting as you were talking about that, I just wanna share a quick story with you about one of my friends that I think really just embodies what you're talking about here. So she um, sent me a birthday uh, gift card to a specific restaurant that was a very, I mean, it was an out of the way restaurant for us, but it was one that we were supporting one of our friends. It was a pizza place. And so we had um, checked in on Facebook to show our support for him. Well, for my birthday, I get a gift card from this pizza place. And I'm like, how did you choose that for me? And she goes, well, I knew you liked it because you checked in on Facebook. Yep. And that means a lot, right? Like you, you really paid attention to what I was doing saying and things like that. Are we good to go? 
Okay, so let's talk about your area of skill of persuasion. So whether it's selling a product or a service or even oneself to someone, um, selling is a form of persuasion. So what are some important pointers you may give the job seeker who is attempting to promote themselves in an interview? Okay. Uh, like, right, get to know that person, do what you can to come to like them and connect on what you have in common. And it's interesting that you bring this up, Casey, because uh, my daughter got married over the weekend and my sister's in town from Arizona. Congratulations. And we were talking about something. Thank you. It was, it was awesome. I cried my eyes out. <laughs> um, my sister said, she goes, oh, yeah, I remember when I got a job at such and such a, a company and right away made a connection with somebody. And I can't remember exactly what it was. Maybe it was like country, something like that. But she goes, instantly, I could tell that she liked me and I had the job before I left the office. Even though there was somebody else to be interviewed, they just said, nope, we need the right person. And, and there are so many stories of where people have connected on something that they had in common and suddenly they're building this rapport, that person likes them, they view them in a different light and they get that job. So you need to get to know the person because that's the way that you can like them because you can find out what you have in common and you can also pay those genuine compliments and the, and that requires a little detective work sometimes if you know who you're going to interview with beforehand you get out and you do your research so invest your time because it is an investment that is going to pay dividends for you i think that's perfect and a couple of things came to mind like one what we were taught because I, I mean, even though I'm a recruiter, I'm in sales, right? And I'm having to sell my services to clients and convince them to pay me fees to find them talent. And so one of the things that they told us to do when I was first starting out, and, and it's not really a trick, it's a, it's a method, it's, it's a skill, right? And one of the things they would tell us to do is look and see what's on their shelves. See what's important yep. to them. You know, if it's a baseball team, try to identify with that. But, you know, don't make something up. Like obviously if it's baseball, I'm like, the ball's round, okay, you know, but um, but it's, you know, you do that. And so the other thing that we tell candidates, every time I send my candidate a prep email for going on an interview, I include the name of the person they're going to be um, talking to, but I also include their LinkedIn profile. And that's more than just to see where they worked at. Go see who they're following. Go read some of their comments. Yeah. What is their activity? That's a great way to get to know them. Yeah, a quick story along that lines. Um, there's a major insurance company here in Columbus, Ohio, that I've been reaching out to, finally got an opportunity to meet with a senior level executive. I had half an hour of her time. Towards the end of the conversation, I said, by the way, how do you know? And I said a name. And she says, oh my gosh, he's my BFF at church. We work on projects together there. How do you know him? I said, I played high school football for him. We started bonding over this person who was very important both of us, I ended up spending an hour and 15 minutes with her. She had originally given me 30 minutes. So when you start connecting on something that's meaningful to that other person, and this individual was meaningful for both of us, then all the stories that started coming out, the liking and everything that happened, and she touched with other people, that never would have happened if I hadn't done the research and if I hadn't felt confident in asking a question about how do you know this individual? And that's happened on many, many occasions. 
That is so interesting. So did you find out that um, you both knew him or you thought to ask because you saw him as a mutual connection on LinkedIn? Oh, as a mutual connection on LinkedIn. So I always try to make sure that when I'm meeting with somebody for the first time, that I take a look at that. And I look for people that I've actually had like meaningful conversations. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of connections. Many of them I haven't really had conversations with. But when I find people who really are meaningful, I'm always curious about how that other individual knows them. Yeah. That is so true. I I had a lady reach out to me the other day through networking, um, and it was funny because she was like, "Do you, she? You know, we got introduced through a series of introductions, right?" And she's like, "How do you know this person over here in Tennessee?" And I'm like, "He's been on my podcast." And she's like, "No way." She's like, "He's like my best friend." And she was in um, Houston, Texas. And so I mean. It's, it's amazing the connections that can be made if you just pay attention to them. And they're so important, so absolutely important because you never know. And like I said, that was through a series of connections. So I'm the type of person, I, I never say no to a meeting. I never say no to a phone call because I know it's going to lead somewhere. I just don't know where yet. I, and I, I'm that way too with like LinkedIn connections. But I always tell people if they're going to connect with me, I'm going to reach back and say, how did you find me? Most people, unfortunately, don't put a, a personal message on, but I always reach out and sometimes we get some chatter going back and forth and you never know where that will ultimately lead. That's a really good idea. Although I would be a little afraid sometimes when I connect with people to say, how did you find me? Because, but I mean, and I'm really, I'm not super selective about connecting with people on LinkedIn, but one, I do prefer a personal note. Um, and two, I prefer mutual connections if I don't know you. And three, um, I, I really want to make sure if, if I can tell you're going to sell to me as soon as I connect with you, I'm not connecting. I don't have time for that. I don't need it in my inbox. Yeah. I, when I ask that question, the number one way is, oh, I took your, some of your courses on LinkedIn learning. Mm. So they're potential clients. The number two way is I heard you on a podcast. So they liked what I said and you never know where that's going to go. Probably the third one was, um, I heard you at a conference or something like that. So usually there's some potential opportunity. Um, when somebody tries to sell to me, right, I, I tell them, look, I've got over 15,000 connections. Anything that I think I need already, I've probably been to somebody for a long time. That's not a hard no, but it's like, get to know me first. Mm -hmm. You may be great, absolutely great, but, but do not launch into something that quickly. I think that's a, a real negative for people. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not sure because you see it very uniform, you know, from the people that do that. And I'm like, who's teaching these people to do this? It's, yeah. it's awful. It's probably the numbers game where they're pumping out as many as they can and they're hoping something sticks to the wall. But it's, it's a turnoff for yeah. most people. For sure. Okay. So. You also cover the five steps to tap into the power of active listening. So can you share a little bit with us, what is active listening and how can we benefit from practicing it? Sure. Well, active listening is completely different than, than hearing. Hearing is passive. Mm. Uh, you can't even say action because it's passive. You know, two people can be sitting in a room and, and the sound waves are going into the ears of both people, but one person is actively listening, meaning they're they're getting the message, they're retaining, they can verbalize back to you what they heard and the other person might not remember anything, but they might have heard everything. When I talk about how to be 
active listener. I, uh, I call it listening STARS. And STARS is an acronym. And it stands for STOP. First S is uh, STOP. Stop everything you're doing so you can give your full attention. T is tone. Tone of voice quite often will indicate mood. And two people can say the same thing, but you know that tone of voice can make all the difference. So you focus on tone. A is ask, ask clarifying questions. So you don't misunderstand the person. You may think you're understanding, but it's always good to ask clarifying questions. And then restate, restate towards the end what you think it is they're expressing. And if you can add to that the emotion, uh, some sense of where they are uh, feeling about, about even better. And the final letter in STARS is S, and that means scribble. Uh, take notes. You don't interrupt somebody if you're just jotting down notes. Now, we're not talking the next great American novel, because if you're writing too much, you miss things. But when you hear something that you want to circle back on, to just put a one or two words so you can go back and you know, Casey, I didn't want to interrupt you when you were talking, but you said, what did you mean by, and you can circle back to that. So stop, tone, ask, restate, and scribble. And I think if everybody practiced those five things, they would be much, much better when it comes to their active listening skills. I, I know that my boyfriend would probably agree with you and say that I only passive listen most of the time. He's like, are you listening to me? I heard every word you said, but I wasn't really listening. So. Um, you know, it, it, really, it works really well, too, because I didn't consider myself a good listener, but teaching it and trying to put it into practice, I always have people come back and go, wow, you remembered that? And so it must be working because I'm no different than anybody else, but all of a sudden I'm able to bring forth things that were significant to them because I listened. Well, I have really been practicing my active listening, especially since becoming a coach, because that's kind of important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring it back to influence for just a minute. So how do influence and persuasion affect productivity in the workplace? Well, I think the before you understand how to ethically influence somebody, the quicker you usually get things done, right? If you and I have formed a good relationship, and I like you and you know that and you like me and I've done things, I've engaged reciprocity, I've helped you in the past. All of those things make it much, much easier for you to say yes if you maybe finish a project or whatever it is that I have to do. Because I've invested that time, you're probably more willing to do it. You're going to probably put more effort into it and you're probably going to get it done sooner because you're thinking, hey, I like Brian. I mean, Brian's been nice to me. He's helped me and, and we've got all this good mojo going. So that's one way that makes it much easier and more productive for teams to work together. The other thing is, you know, when you incorporate the other principles too, you're engaging how people typically think and behave. And the more that you do that, the easier it is for people to say yes to you. So in the world of sales, um, the easier it is in every step of the sales process for somebody to say yes, the sooner you're gonna close that sale, they'll reap the benefits of what it is that you're offering and you're on to the next potential sale. So you really have an opportunity to speed up the sales process by tapping into this cycle in a thoughtful way throughout. I love that. I'm, and I was just thinking, <laughs> I was like, how can I work that on my kid? <laughs> get that influence so we can get stuff done. Um, so if you had to say just one thing, one hope that you have that people take away from your book, what would it be? 
it would be the importance of relationship and doing everything you can to come to like the other person. Mm. I think in doing that, even if that person doesn't reciprocate to the same degree, I think almost everybody could then say, you know what, I really like the people because I can find something to connect with them on. And then once we start talking about that, we can find more things. When I look for the good in people, it's easier to find more good things. And all of a sudden I'm saying, you know what, I really like this person. Or I see these good qualities. Other people might not like them so much, but I see the good in this person. And all of a sudden you're enjoying the people you're with and what you do significantly more. And that will reap benefits because people who are difficult for others might ultimately be very beneficial to you. And you're not doing it to just get them to do something. You're doing it because you really want to get to know and like those You know what? I've just made a decision. So I think we spoke about this when we were talking earlier this year about we are sponsoring the Young Executives Initiative, you know, really teaching these young executives about networking and about, you know, um, I'm I'm hoping to do have an educational speaker come to talk to them about reputation management because I think the sooner you learn about that, the better you are in your career. And I've just decided we're having a sit down party and watch on this episode. Well, good. I hope I hope everybody keeps a lot from it, and uh, we would like you to come back, Casey. I enjoy talking to you. Like I said, I met so many good people through podcasting, and as the world opens up more, I hope we find ourselves in the same city, same conference, something like that. Because it, it's always so gratifying to finally meet people that have been connected to you for years. Absolutely. Well, aren't you in the same city as Frank Egan? I am. Yep. Frank. Well, and uh, you know when we were talking about connections there was somebody installing lights at our house. And my wife said, oh, my husband's upstairs uh, on a podcast. And he said, oh, really? Do this podcast, uh, Networking Rx with Frank Egan. Do you think he knows Frank? I'm like, I've been on his show three times. <laughs> so he, it was funny that, that, that he thought I was some kind of rock star because I've been on Frank's show. But, but I tell you what, he could not say enough good things about Frank. He said it's transformed his business, understanding how to build his network and connect with people. So kudos to Frank for introducing us and for helping this guy in his business. Well, and don't be jealous, but I'm actually seeing Frank tonight at the networking hub. Hello. So, okay. Hello. So Hello. I will, I will. He'll appreciate that. So um, tell people how they find you, how they get your book, how they connect with you. Okay. Um, connect with me again. If you don't tell me that you heard me on the show, guaranteed you're going to get a, a message back asking how you found me. Uh, my website, influencepeople.biz. If people go out there, I've been blogging for more than 13 years every week. So there's hundreds of articles, things like that. But there's also links to all three of the books. That is amazing. So influencepeople.biz. Yep, D-I-Z. Okay. Awesome. Well, normally at this point, I would ask our VIP questions, but you've already answered them once, but I am going to ask one, okay, because it's my favorite, one of my favorite questions, but it's the one that I like to see because I think it can change over time. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? So I go out and I usually walk three or four miles and it's a time to think and pray. And and it's interesting that I, I usually feel that that's the best part of the day, but it doesn't diminish the rest. It is all, all the rest of the day is even better because of it. But I 
get out of the morning. Uh, I'm out usually by 5 a.m. for about an hour, and I love it. And it just sets the tone for everything else. That is beautiful. I mean, in, in a sense, it is a form of meditation or a calming of the mind, which I, I do the same. I don't walk, but, you know, I do meditation in the mornings, and I think it's just so beneficial to kind of calm down the monkey chatter in my brain so that I can go out and be focused for the day. So I, I, I think that's wonderful. Maybe I will start incorporating a walk with it. So it's, it's nice because things come to you and, and uh, yeah, it's just so peaceful. Awesome. Well, Brian, this has been amazing having you back. You're always such a wealth of information and I just love everything that you're doing, especially, you know, the, the ethical influencing. I just, I, I want to get this message out to so many more people so that we can just have a better world because I think that's what this is going to create. Absolutely. So one last thing to say to you, you are still a VIP. Thank you. I'm, that's a honor. Thank you very much, Casey. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.